Hey, come on, church. I want to welcome everybody at every single location in Cortland, Corning, Binghamton, Ithaca, and then everybody joining us online. Come on, put your hands together. Make them feel welcome. Make them feel loved. It's so good to be with you. My name is Will. I am the lead pastor at Two Rivers Church, and I want you to look right at me just for a moment, and I want you to hear this. I, I have been praying for you. I love you. I care about you. I am super stoked to be able to be joining with you. We are in week number three of our series entitled All That Matters. And right now we are focusing on what we consider to be our ultimate purpose as people and as a church. And if you have your notes, you can just write this down in your notes. The ultimate purpose of my life is to make a difference. And so as a church, we're organized to help you in that journey to get to that point. And if you haven't done it yet, you can jump on to Next Steps online. If you just go to tworivers.church and you can actually jump in and we'll help you to discover your purpose and then make a difference with your life. And you'll discover a little bit more about the church, who we are, what we're all about. And so if you haven't done that yet, I want to encourage you to jump on to Next Steps online and, and do that today. Well, I believe it that God is calling us to serve others and in this season to live generously for the sake of others. So as you're getting your notes out, today I want to talk to you about the power of the precious. The power of the precious. So we're going to start in Psalm chapter, chapter 126. You can turn there in your Bibles. And as you're turning, I just believe that what God is doing in this moment has the power to change your life. If you'll listen to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit has to do and, and apply it in your heart, that you're going to walk away today different. So here's what it says in Psalm 126, beginning in verse 5. I'm going to read this one out of the King James Version. They that sow in tears shall reap with joy. And then in verse 6, it says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. Everybody say precious. Don't say it like Gollum. Bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And so I want to give you some little insight into this because most of us aren't farmers. Most of us don't understand the idea of precious seed. But I spent 10 weeks, two and a half months in Chad, Africa, in the Sahara Desert. And I saw firsthand what Psalm chapter 126, verses 5 and 6, really looked like in somebody's life. Because the people there are what we call subsistence farmers, and so they have enough food for themselves alone. And they have, if you could, if you could bring this up on the screen, they, have, uh, they, they grow their own food and they have something called millet. So they grow some, some grain and then they take a big bowl and they have a pedestal and they grind that grain up and it becomes almost like a Play-Doh type of substance and that's what they eat. Now, in the middle of their compounds, they'll have a little family compound with mud huts. And at the very center of that compound, they'll have a little hut. It's their granary. 
and they'll store what they grew throughout the year, what they harvested in that granary. At the bottom of the granary, underneath it, there'll be some bags. And I asked, what are the bags that are below the granary? And they said, that is the, the seed for the next year's crop. And what will happen is, over the year, as they consume the harvest, if they consume it too quickly, when it comes time to plant, they're planting the only food they have available to eat. And so they could be going out, planting seed. They have to make a decision in that moment. Do I eat this precious seed and consume it for myself now, or do I plant it and reap the harvest later? And so when the Bible says in Psalm 126, we don't have a concept of sowing with tears. We usually hear about this idea that we would sow with tears. It's like, oh, there's some bad things that happened in my life, but Later on, if you stay the course, then you'll reap with joy. But that's not what's happening. What's happening here is somebody is making a decision to not consume today what would be released into the soil that would reap a harvest tomorrow. And and the Bible here, I chose the King James Version because of this one word, this word precious. See, the word precious, it means not in the category of everything else. It's not normal. There's nothing normal about it. And I want you to know there's nothing normal about Two Rivers Church. We are at the front end of a movement. We are seeing God multiply, and we're seeing God change lives, and we're seeing people radically redeemed and radically restored. As a church, we are continuously stepping out in faith to believe God for the impossible. That we don't just talk about it, but we live it day in and day out. We're people of grace. We're people that allow you to be imperfect. That you don't have to have it all together. It's okay to not be okay. And yet, God is doing great things in our midst. And so if we're people who are part of something that's precious, every now and then, God's going to say to us, I don't want the normal from you. I want the precious. See, over the last year, I've had this building in my heart. God is leading me into this place of faith, and I want the church to come with me. Like over time, if you know me, at at times I'll be like, all right, church, we're going to go do some crazy things together. And everybody's like, hold on, uh uh-oh, pastor's losing his mind again. And what happens is in those moments, though, I'm exercising faith and God is stretching me. And I've been in a season where I've been having a little bit of stretch fatigue. Anybody know what stretch fatigue is? Some of y'all may be in stretch fatigue right now. Like, oh, man, when the rubber band gets stretched out, it's got to come back again. And, And so what's happened, though, is I've been experiencing in my life so many blessings. 
And I've been resting in, in that, and I've been kind of recuperating in that. But I've been feeling this build up in my spirit that I can't lay back in it. That I don't want to get comfortable in the blessings that are around me. I want to begin to release them. And I want to begin to let go of them. And I want to hear God's voice one more time call me and challenge me again. I, I, I'm like, God, what do you want? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to let go of? Because it's all yours. And I promise you, when you pray prayers like that, your life gets really active and your faith get, becomes very alive in a few quick minutes. But you, be, you realize that you're working towards something. And so from the very beginning here at Two Rivers, we've been teaching that there's no blessing without sacrifice. Everybody wants to win the lottery. Nobody wants to grind in the 9 to 10. I'm not talking about 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. I'm not talking about 9 a.m. to 10 p.m., y'all. Like it's time to get out and work. But I want you to know that there is tremendous power when we release the precious into God's hands. That, that he goes forth, and this is the key, he that goes forth, the person has to take the seed, the precious seed, they have to go forth into the field, they have to work in the field, and as they release the precious seed, as they let it out of their hand, that's the key to making the seed precious. It's when, it's when it leaves your hand, when you sow it. That's not talking about needle and thread. That's, that's language about planting something in the ground. Once it goes in the ground, you don't see it anymore. It's not yours. You can't hold it. It actually dies in order to live again. It's not precious if you hold on to it. It's precious when you release it and send it forth. Moses he meets God at the burning bush. Moses comes up and God says to Moses, what's that in your hand? Moses says, it's my staff. It's, it's all I have from my former life. It's all I have from Egypt. It's all I have from the time that I was somebody in something. And God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to throw it down on the ground. And so Moses, when he released it, he threw it down, and then God introduced him to the miraculous. In that moment, the staff became a serpent, and it was like a king cobra, because that staff later on began to consume all the magicians, snakes, and then Moses picked it back up, and it became a staff again. There's something about when you release the precious that God introduces you to the supernatural, when Moses lets go of his staff, when he lets go of that thing that's precious to him from his past life, his stature, his status, his memories of the days of old, God released into him the miraculous. When I was a teenager, I turned 16 and I got my first car. It might have been 17, somewhere in there. I don't know if you know I hope you do what it feels like 
to get your license and then get behind the wheel of your first vehicle. That's freedom. That's like stature, it's status. It's a good feeling, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Somebody in here, that feels good. And I remember I got this car that was given to me. It was my grandma's. And it had been parked because it was this Dodge Aries and it had been dented on the side door because she got a little old and slid down the hill in it and it damaged the side of it and she wasn't allowed to drive it anymore. So I got this car. I'm telling you, I got behind the wheel. I was like, I am rolling. The brakes were squealing, just grinding away, terrible. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't care. I had a car, man. I was rolling in it. And I remember, I, I remember being so in love with that car. I remember being like, man, I love this. I loved the feeling of it. I loved the freedom of it. I loved the, the fact that I had anything at all. I was so proud of it. And I remember the Lord asking me, Do you, you really love that car, don't you? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I love it. In my senior year, I felt God speak to me to give that car away. And I was like, all right, God. Because one of the things I had told the Lord when I got that car, I said, God, I'll use this car for your kingdom and for your purpose and for your ministry. And so that whole year I would go, I would pick kids up and I'd bring kids to church with me. Every Sunday I had that car filled with kids I was bringing kids to church. I would drive down the street. I'd see a hitchhiker. I would stop. I was like, what's going to happen to me? I don't know. Nothing's going to happen to me. I got this. I got a car. Pick the hitchhiker up, take them where they needed to go. I was just using it for the Lord. But the Lord asked me to give that car away, and I said, God, whatever you want from me, I told you already that this car belongs to you. Every car I ever have, I'm going to use it for your kingdom and for your purpose. I was just a teenager but I knew everything that I had belongs to the Lord. And so I gave that car away to Teen Challenge in Syracuse. And I said, there's somebody there that needs it more than me. There's a life that needs transforming more. And I spent the next three years, I went to Bible college and I hoofed it. I walked around everywhere I went. There did, Springfield, Missouri don't have good public transportation. They've never heard of a bus. And so, so I just had to find my way around. But in my senior year of, of Bible college, God gave me another car. And I want you to know something. In my lifetime now, God's given me seven cars and a boat. And, and I just want you to know, when you release something, this is what God does. And I, I, I said all of it to say this. When God speaks to you, you need to be willing to trust him. When you trust the Lord with the precious, it releases the miraculous. Solomon understood this. Solomon gave the precious before God even asked him. See, the Passover law was that every house, you had to bring one lamb for every house. And the law was that when you came to, to the temple, you'd bring that lamb and you, you would offer that up. But the priests, they must have been a little surprised when Solomon showed up with a thousand, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says there were a thousand choice sheep. They were the best of the flock. 
And all the sheep herders and all the people from that era were like, Solomon, you're going to screw up your whole herd. You're giving away the good ones. You keep the good ones to breed them. You don't sacrifice the good ones to the Lord. You're not going to have any next level thing going on. How, what are you doing, Solomon? You're giving away your best things. But that night, God shows up to Solomon. And God asks Solomon, what do you want me to do for you? Now, many times in my life, I've said, God, I, want, I need you to do a few things for me. But I don't know that I've ever had God show up and say, what do you want me to do for you? And I want you to know this. That's what the precious does. When we release the precious, God releases the miraculous. The other thing that happens is when we release the precious, it leads us to the doubtless. It says in verse 6 of one, Psalm 126, verse 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless, everybody say doubtless, come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. When we release the precious, we enter into the doubtless. Will doubtless return. No doubt that God will do what God said he would do. When we release the precious, he releases the doubtless. This is, this is what it looks like, what guarantees it. Isaiah says it like this. He called Jesus the precious cornerstone. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, he talks about the precious blood of the Lamb. In verse 18, he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed. This is how we have confidence that we can be doubtless. It wasn't with natural things. It wasn't with common things. It was with the things, let's see, it's, it, it, we were redeemed from an empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the, everybody together with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. That what's precious in our lives was given to us by God. The reason God can ask you for the precious, not the normal, is that he gave his son's precious blood for you. Some of us, we have so much blessing, and this is the thing that I've become afraid of, where I'm like, God, I need to step out again. I'm getting a little comfortable in the blessing. I'm getting a little comfortable, and it feels like it might be a little hard to let all of this go. I've talked to some people who say, they, they make too much to tithe. That check would be too large. And I think, well, maybe the Lord should reduce your income to allow you to be able to follow him more effectively. <laughs> Sometimes the things that we are so comfortable in, I think we should be a little worried that, that we become entangled, the Bible says. The cares of this life, the worries of this world, and the deceitfulness of wealth are the weeds that choke out the gospel. 
And, and I want to be released into the precious. I want to release that thing into my life that has become so precious to me. Because when you give the precious, you can doubtless return reap, reaping with joy. That means you're going to take in the harvest. When you understand this, it's going to change your life. Mary understood this. We believe that Mary Magdalene was possessed by seven demons. Jesus came and he sets her free. And then we see her hanging out with her sister Martha and Lazarus. And she comes in and she has a jar of perfume. It's worth a year's wages. And she sees Jesus and he's getting ready to be buried. And she takes the jar of perfume. She breaks it. And she gets down on her hands and feet and she goes to Jesus' feet and she pours the perfume out on his feet. And then with her tears and her hair, she begins to clean the feet of our Savior. Now, there's worship and then there's precious worship. And she's weeping and she's drying her hair or his feet with her hair. And I want you to understand this. As she poured out the perfume on his feet and she begins to anoint him, the blessing she poured onto Jesus came back onto her. That that perfume would have been mingled into her hair. Doubtless, it would be returned. I remember as a child, one of the evangelists came through in our church and he talked about how if we didn't have any money, we could place our lives into the offering. And one day in children's church, some time after that, the offering bucket goes by and I reached in my pocket and my parents must have forgotten to give me the quarter because my parents were teaching me to be a giver. And that day I didn't have the quarter, but I remembered what that evangelist had to say. He said, how much better to give your life than just your money? And so that day as the bucket came by, I put the bucket on the floor. No one knew what in the world I was doing, but God did. And I stepped into the bucket. <laughs> and I was telling God, you don't just have my wallet, you have my whole life. And that was a powerful moment for me in children's church. And God might be speaking to you right now saying, give me your children. What's the precious thing in your life? What's the precious thing? Like I want to, I gave myself to Jesus. You, you got to get your kids here to give them a chance so that they can step into the offering. You got to give them the opportunity to give themselves wholly to Jesus. And what's so interesting in this moment where Mary is anointing Jesus' feet and she's crying and Judah says it's a waste. What a waste of money. This gift of worship. Jesus said it's not waste, it was worship. But sometimes the enemy is going to tell young people, you're wasting the prime years of your life. You don't, don't serve Jesus, go live wild. 
And I want you to know it's precious when a teenager says, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to use my body for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I'm not going to let my body be a, a common thing. It's precious when a single person gives their relationships to Jesus. When everybody else is out on a Friday and the single person's in God's house serving. Now, my life changed in church. This is my Friday night, y'all. This is, this is my party. This is my club. I'm not out there backing it up anymore. I'm not out there doing all that. So don't tell me to calm down in the church. Don't tell me that I'm too passionate. This is my Friday night. This is my wild thing. This is my marijuana, right? This is, this is, don't, don't tell me, don't leave me alone here. I came to worship Jesus, and I don't care what anybody thinks about it. Anybody in love with Jesus right now, give him worship. Come on, put, give him worship like not the, not the ordinary, not the, not the common, but give him precious worship. When you're walking through life and you got heavy trials, and, and, and I want you to know that in the heavy trials, it means God's given you heavy trust. If you're in conflict, he already has given you everything you need to win. You're walking through a moment of trial and you're feeling like, oh my goodness, it's all gone, but God's going to use the trial to grow you. And in these times of trial is when your worship becomes precious. It's one thing to come to worship when everything's going well. Everything's on the up and up. It's up and to the right. But it becomes precious when you worship in the middle of the storm. God told Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac and I want you to lay him on the altar. Abraham looks at God and says, God, we, we prayed for this. This is, this is 20 years of prayer answered in that boy. God, you, my wife was 99 years old. I, I want to remind you, I was 100 when we had Isaac. And God said, I want to know if you love me as much as the heathens love their gods. Because at that time, they were, the heathens were sacrificing their children to demon gods. And it was a common practice. And God wanted to know if the thing that was precious to Abraham would be given to him. And what I find interesting is Isaac, who's 17 years old, his father's about 120 we think of Isaac as this little kid who doesn't know what's going on. Isaac could have turned this man inside out. 120-year-old versus 17-year-old. He easily could have got away. And Isaac here is the picture of Jesus. Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he began to pray and he said, Father, if it's possible... Let this cup be taken from me. And he began to pray as though sweats, he was sweating drops of blood. And he submitted himself to God's authority. And he came under the authority of God. 
And just like Jesus submitted, Isaac submitted, and the Bible says that he carried the wood for the sacrifice on his back for three days. He climbs the mountain, and just like Isaac, Jesus had on his back the cross. He carried it to Golgotha, and there he was shed his blood as a sacrifice. Isaac gets onto the altar, and God says, Abraham, don't do it. Now I know that you love me. Now I know that you care. Now I know that you're willing to give that which is precious to you to me. And this is what God says to Abraham, because it's doubtless that we'll return with joy. When you release the precious, it's doubtless that you'll see joy in the harvest. God says to Abraham, I swear I will bless you. This word swear, I don't see God using that in the Bible except to Abraham. In this moment, it's reserved for the precious. You release the precious and doubtless God releases the blessing. Sometimes God's going to come along and say, I know you give out of your blessing. I know you give out of your overflow because I promised you that I would. I promised you that this is how it is. But from time to time, God's going to ask us to give the precious. Give what's precious to you. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to have the team come back. Jacob had a son with Rachel. Loved his son. Named him Joseph. Had one more son, Benjamin. Then he had all these other sons with the wife he didn't love. And, and so Jacob, his brother, his sons all conspired and they threw Joseph into a pit. Joseph ends up in Egypt. The sons come back, the brothers of Joseph go back to Jacob and they say, oh, your son is dead. And so Jacob now starts to cling to Benjamin. You're the only memory I have. Because Rachel, Benjamin's mom, Joseph's mom, died in childbirth to Benjamin. In fact, Benjamin's name was son of my pain. That's what Rachel named him. But Jacob changed his name and said, Benjamin, son of blessing. And, and so what happens now is Jacob's holding on tight to Benjamin. It's the only memory I have, only thing I have left. All the brothers have to go to Egypt. They bring their sacks of grain. They're starving. And Joseph says, you've got to bring back Benjamin or I'm not going to give you any more food. Now Jacob, in that moment, he thinks, oh my goodness. This is all working against me. It's, it's all going downhill. In his mind, he can't let Benjamin go. That's the son that he holds on to. That's the precious thing in his life. And finally, in the Bible, it says that Jacob released Benjamin. 
It's all against me. What he didn't know was he thought what was working against him was actually working for him. He didn't know that Jake, that Joseph was in Israel. He thought his son was dead. But God, in the release of Benjamin, was given back to him not only Benjamin, but his son that he thought he had lost. And when Jacob looked up, what he saw coming back, he had sent out sacks of grain, but what was returning was wagons full. And I want you to know this, that along the way, the Holy Spirit has asked me over and over to give the precious And God's been speaking to me fresh and anew that, it, that if Moses, if Abraham, if Jacob, if Mary, if God released the precious, don't you think that God has the right to ask in your life for you to release the precious too? I'll close with this. There's a man named John Griffith. He's referenced in the Grapes of Wrath. John Griffith was a drawbridge operator on the Mississippi River. And one day he took his son with him. This is a true story. Took his son with him to work, eight-year-old boy. They're sitting, eating lunch. And he hears a whistle down the track. And here's the, the drawbridge with its bridge raised to allow the boats to go pass under. And so John looks at his son. He says, son, I want you to stay right here. Don't you move. I'm just going to go lower the bridge. John gets up and he goes to the, to the lever and he looks down in horror of horrors. What does he see? His son had not stayed put but had tried to follow him and had fallen down into the gears of the bridge. And he looked back at the train and he, just, he, and he knew it was the Memphis, the St. Louis to Memphis line and it had 400 passengers on it. And he tried to judge, can I go get my son who's caught in the gears? He can't get himself out. And he knew he didn't have enough time as the whistle blew again. And the story says that he closed his eyes and he pulled the lever and the bridge dropped. His son was caught in the gears. And he had to make the decision to pull the lever in order for the train full of 400 people to pass by. And what John said was the thing that bothered him the most was watching the indifference in the eyes of the people other than losing his son, seeing the people ride by on the train reading their magazines, not understanding the price that he had just paid. Not understanding the choice that he had just made and in their indifference and in their cavalierness riding by. And today I'm preaching to you about a God who spared not his own son, who watched his son die on Calvary's cross and shed his precious blood for you 
and for me. And I hope there aren't people here today who casually come to church at a time like this and offer the normal. There's nothing normal about two rivers. So yes, every now and then, God's going to tell us, he's going to say to us, I don't want the normal from you, I want the precious. He's never going to ask for the precious without giving the joy in a precious harvest. God will doubtless, we will reap with joy. I want you to stand to your feet all over this room. Stand at every single location. And just for a moment, I want to invite you to to pray with me. And I want to open your mouth and in your own way offer to God what is precious to you. God, I don't want to hold anything back. God's asking his church during such a time as this to not be ordinary. But he's asking us for the precious. And so, God, I pray right now. I pray for those that are lost. At the sound of my voice, they almost casually sat through this service. And this is their day. God, we offer to you now what is precious. God, I offer you my will. I make you the Lord of my life. Every heart, in every life, at every location, in Jesus' name. I want to want you to now, if you're here and you know that you've been holding your life out from God and you haven't given your life to him, at every location, I want you, just with every head bowed now and every eye closed, I want you, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus, you're ready to surrender your life to him, I want you to slip your hand up in the air. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else, you just slip your hand up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Here's what you're going to do. Just keep your hands up. If you see somebody with their hand up, I want you to just put your hand on their shoulder, just real gently. Just lay a hand on their shoulder, wherever they're at. And I want want everybody to pray this prayer together at every single location. And if you have your hand up, this is your moment now to surrender. This is your moment to offer God the precious that your life, you're giving it to him in this moment. Say, Lord Jesus, come on, everybody together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you gave your precious blood for me. Forgive me. Wash me. Make me new. I give you my life. I make you my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen.